0: That is Northridge style right there. If you don't like fun, you've found the wrong church. So just so that we're clear. Uh, but seriously, thank you for being here, guys. This is just Awesome. Uh, to celebrate Christmas. So uh, just wanted to uh, let you know that I know uh, Tanya had mentioned we're not going to be here in a couple of days on Sunday. So if you come here, that's awesome. You can worship by yourself. That's cool. Um, But uh, we won't be here, but we will be here a week from Sunday, January 2nd. And just wanted to let you know kind of what we're doing. I don't know about you, but this year, after the two years that we've been in, I'm kind of ready for that next year. Anybody with me on that? Anybody ready for like 2022? Let's move on. Let's go. And so, we are going to talk about anticipation. What in the world should we be anticipating? What should we be expecting from God and from all the different things? And so, I hope you can join us on January 2nd. That's like the day after New Year's. Yes, I know we're going to be coming out of like food comas and all that stuff, right? I get it. But um, be here and we're going to talk about anticipation. So, hopefully, you can join us. Now, I want to start right out of the gate tonight by asking you a question. And that question is this. What is the point of Christmas? What is the point of Christmas? Why do we make such a big deal about this season, about Christmas, about baby Jesus? What is the point of doing all of this celebration? What's so important about it? Well, I will answer that question, but not yet. I want to start with a story. So the summer before I graduated college, so the summer before my senior year of college, uh, my best friends and I, we decided that we want to spend the summer together. And so we all decided to apply for and we got jobs at Yellowstone National Park. This was awesome. All right. I don't know who came up with this idea. I don't know if it was me or not, but it was amazing. Whoever did, it was awesome. OK. And so we went and we lived and we worked in Yellowstone National Park for the entire summer. Now, one thing that we love to do after working every day uh, in the afternoons and evenings, we would go out and we would go to a different part of Yellowstone and we'd explore, we'd hike and we'd climb, you know, cliffs and rocks and mountains and all this kind of stuff, get into the mountain rivers and uh, just everything you can think of. And we go explore. Well this one particular day we decided to go explore some a, an area of Yellowstone called the Firehole Canyon. Now the Firehole River ran through the canyon and is this deep steep kind of gorge with this mountain river that runs through it. Here's a picture of that to kind of give you an idea. You can see the steepness of the walls on either side. Where we explored was just above just upriver from this actually this picture. So I was actually there around the bend just a little ways. And uh, this is an awesome place. We were exploring all over, and a couple of my friends, they wanted to climb down into the gorge, see if we could get across the river, and climb up the other side, okay? And so they go down, but I didn't like where they were heading, and I kind of wanted to do my own thing. I know that that's surprising for some of you, right? Not at all. I know my wife is not surprised. She knows. But I wanted to do my own thing, so they were climbing up this rock, and I wanted to work my way upriver, which I did, and find a place to cross and try to beat my friends to the top of the ledge on the other side of the gorge. And so I did that. I worked around. I got across the river. I climbed up this pretty steep place. It was a little bit hairy at times, honestly. And, uh, but I got up the rocks, and I got to the top, and I ran back downriver to see if I had beaten my friends up to the top. The problem was, when I got to the top of the gorge, and I looked around and looked down, I saw nothing of my friends. I saw the car was gone, and my other two friends that had stayed with the car, they were gone. Everybody's gone. There's not a human being in sight anywhere. Here's the problem. The sun was just setting. And so it is getting ready to get really, really dark. And now I'm on the wrong side of a canyon, in order, And I need to get to the other side to get to the road, back to where human beings are, right? And so I, I start working around, and I get to where I came up, but I realize that I'm not a good enough climber to get down where I came up. Going up is much easier than coming down. And so I had to keep working my way upriver, and all this, uh, on and on and on it goes. And by this time, it's not quite as dark as it is outside, like right now, but pretty close, and I know if I don't get down and get across the river in the next probably few minutes I'm not going to be able to see anything and I'm spending the night in the mountains by myself which is not a good thing even in the summer it's going to get really cold and by the way there's grizzly bears right so that's not a good idea. And so I kind of work my way around and I get across the river and I won't tell all of that there was like uh, near-death experience there, and, uh, and, and I get out, uh, you know, I'm climbing out in jeans and sweatshirt, I'm soaking because I went underwater and the thing started to sweep me away, I'll just say that, and, uh, and I lost my wallet in the process. It was gone, like I never saw it again, it, it washed out in that ri- in the Firehole River somewhere along the way when I went under, and I climb out, and I climb up the cliff to the other side to get to the road, and wouldn't you know it, now this whole time, and you guys understand, my friends didn't know where I went, that's the problem. Some of you are questioning my intelligence right now. I get it. We're good. And they were wondering where I was and what happened to me. They're very, very worried. And so finally I climb up, and they've been driving this loop, trying to see where I'm at, trying to spot me somewhere. But now it's really, really dark. And so they come by, and I get up to the road, and these headlights come up. And sure enough, it's my friends in in, in our car. And when I get into the car, they reamed me out. They were ticked. They're like, Brent, don't ever do that to us again. We thought, we didn't know what to think. We couldn't even, and, and all this stuff. And so they, were t- they told me actually that this was their last pass. They've decided that was their last pass on the loop before they went to the ranger station and report me missing and get mountain rescue going. Like that's how serious it was. Now, uh, what's interesting about this, this is just as a little side note. It actually doesn't really matter to what I'm about to say in the sermon but I just want to tell you this because it's cool. 16 years after that, 16 years later, so almost 20 years later, I get a Facebook message from a lady that I've never met, I don't know, and she has taken a picture of an employee ID card. I kid you not, 16 years later, we have a picture of it. This is, this is the picture that she sent to me. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? How good do I look? Some of you are like, what happened? <laughs> I get it. Merry Christmas to you too. Right? But, but she sent this picture. She said, is this you? And I said, yes. And then I proceeded to tell her the whole story through Facebook Messenger, which I'm sure she didn't care. But I did anyway. And it was amazing. But so They found this ID card uh, in a cave behind a waterfall in a completely different river in Yellowstone. I have no idea how it got there. Just crazy. Just crazy. But here's the reason I tell that story to ask this question. Why were my friends so upset at me? that night. Why was I in danger? Was it because I was in the gorge? No. Was it because I was climbing, cliff climbing and rock climbing and all that stuff? I've done that a lot. No. Was it because I crossed the mountain river? Eh, there was the moment, but otherwise, no. The reason they were scared, the reason I truly was in danger is because I was about stuck, lost in darkness for an entire night in the mountains, which is not going to be good in Yellowstone National Park with no cover, no shelter, no food, no water. I was going to be lost in utter darkness. And so they were scared, and I was getting scared. In other words, light is important, isn't it? light is important it's really important what is the first thing if you run out of power if the power goes out because of a storm or whatever if the power goes out in your home what is the very first thing you're going to do if it goes if you lose power in the middle of the night you're going to try to find what you're going to find light aren't you you're going to, now today we're going to grab our phones that's what I do i just click the thing and i'm like i'm good right we used to have like a drawer where the flashlights and the candles were right matches and stuff right but now we don't need that we have our cell phones and so we just turn but we're going to look for a source of light so we can see so we know what to do next light is really important what if i were to tell you tonight that the whole point of christmas The whole point, the whole reason we're here, the whole reason you got all dressed up and got everybody ready and you came and grabbed candles and do all the, the whole reason we do all of this, what if I told you the whole reason is light? Is light. So most of us have probably heard the Christmas story out of the book of Matthew and out of the book of Luke. Matthew tells us about Joseph and the wise men and King Herod. The book of Luke tells us about the shepherds and the angels and Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus in a manger. You guys have heard that, right? You've heard that part of the Christmas story. But did you know that there's another New Testament book, one of the other gospel books, tells the Christmas story, but in a completely different way, in a way that doesn't even sound like the Christmas story? Well, it does, and I want to share it with you. It's the book of John. And in this rendition of the Christmas story, let me just tell you, it's going to sound weird. Because it doesn't sound like the Christmas story. But in this story, he calls Jesus the Word. Now, if I were to go into the explanation as to why he calls Jesus the Word, we'd be here for two sermons. You can thank me later, Merry Christmas, that I'm not gonna do that to you. All right? But I won't explain why he calls Jesus the Word, but just know when I read this, when we say the Word, I'll kind of prompt it, but we're talking about Jesus. All right? Let me read what it says in John chapter 1, starting with verse 4. The Word, that's Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light as everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, Jesus, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him, this is important, all who believed in Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word, so Jesus became human. Remember the Christmas story. He became human. He became a human baby and made his home among us. You know what Jesus is also called? Emmanuel. Have you heard that at Christmas? Emmanuel is God with us. He made his home with us, among us. God with us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is greater, far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Now, that's a lot there. So what is John trying to say with all of that? Very simply, John is saying with that whole thing that I just read, he's saying Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world of the world. Jesus is the source of light in the universe. He's trying to tell us that when we as human beings face darkness, the only solution we have is light, the light of Jesus. Now, we have to get really honest here for a minute when we, as human beings, when you are faced with spiritual light, with the light of Jesus, when we are faced with spiritual light, we usually, as human beings, as people, we have generally one of two responses to light. Right? We generally have one of two responses. There's two possible responses that we typically have when we experience God's illumination of our life, showing us who we really are and who he really is. To illustrate this, I want to go to the Christmas story that you're probably a little bit more familiar with in Luke chapter 2, because it illustrates both responses that we as humans tend to have when experiencing God's light. So I want to go to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and this is right after Joseph and Mary have gotten to Bethlehem. Mary has just given birth to Jesus. And do you remember what happens right after Mary gives birth to Jesus? She lays him in the manger. But then what? Then God wants to make an announcement. Right? And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance, the light of the Lord's glory, surrounded them They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So I read that to ask you this How did the shepherds respond at first? They were what? They were terrified. It's not what we usually think of when we see light. We don't think of terror. Can we get really, really, brutally honest for just a minute? A lot of times when people are faced with the holiness and the light and the goodness and the perfect love of God, their reaction to that light is to run right back to the dark. Sometimes our response, when faced with the light of Jesus, is one of terror. We don't want to do God's will. We don't want God to shine light on the things that we've done or not done. It's pure terror, like the, like the shepherds had when the radiance of, the, of, of God's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Let's be honest. Sometimes we run back to darkness Because we don't feel worthy of the light. Sometimes we run back to darkness because the person that we're with we know is bringing us down. The person that we're with treats us terrible, but yet at least it's someone and then I'm not lonely. And so we run back to darkness, even though we know it's not good for us. Sometimes we run back to darkness because it's comfortable. Have you ever had light that illuminates or or somebody brings something up in your life that you've wanted to stay hidden and it was more comfortable just to ignore like it didn't happen and then somebody brings it up and then you're terrified? That's sometimes what we, sometimes we shrink back into the darkness because it's more comfortable for us. Addictions are this way, aren't they? Addictions keep drawing us and calling us. They keep promising light, but what do addictions do every time? Those of us in here that have tasted addiction, whether it was alcohol, whether it was drugs, whether it was it, whatever it was, whatever the, the addiction was, it constantly promises light, but it leaves you with what? It leaves you with darkness. Sometimes we crawl back to the darkness because it's all that we know. And I, would just want to, I just want to tell you guys tonight, this is the moment where I wish I could actually see you. <laughs> if you're here, and you were going to be honest, and you were going to say, maybe you've spent more of your life, maybe most of your life in darkness rather than in light. Let me just be really clear here tonight. God sent Jesus for you. He did. Jesus came as a baby, died on a cross, and rose from the grave for you. He wants to bring you light. The light of the world. He does not want you to exist or live or, or have the pain of darkness in your life. He wants to give you the light of love and the light that he has to offer. The question that I have for you today, tonight, is this. Will you accept Jesus? Will you lean into the light or will you shrink back from it and run from it? What will you do with the light of Jesus? Will you accept it? So the first response as human beings a lot of times is we run back to the darkness. But then the shepherds... Thankfully, show us the second response that people can have as well. And I want to go back to that. So remember, the angel has just announced, hey, I bring you good news of great joy. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in the city of David in Bethlehem. This is awesome. And then the angels keep going. They say, praise God from whom all, you know, all this stuff. And then peace on earth. Remember that part? Peace on earth with those with whom God is pleased. But then, in that moment, what happens? Let me go back to it. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. So what's the other response? The other response is that you run to the light. Isn't that what the shepherds did? They left their flocks of sheep. They left the fields. They ran to Bethlehem. They got to Jesus as fast as they possibly could because they knew they needed the light of Christ in their life. They ran to the light. And did you notice when you have the light of Jesus, did you notice what you're supposed to do with it? What did the shepherds do? As they went back, as they, after they left Jesus and they went back to their fields, what did they do first? They told everyone they could find about the light, didn't they? So not only do I hope tonight that you realize that God is there for you and that he offers you his light, his love, but that when you have the love of Christ in you, the light of Jesus, make sure you share it. It is not just for you. It is for everyone. Everyone. Do you have the light of Christ in you? And are you sharing the light of Christ? See, Jesus came to rescue us from the darkness. He came to rescue us from the dark. Let me give you an illustration of this. So how many of you remember three years ago? I think it was three years ago, 2018. Yes, it was 2018, so a little over three years ago. Um, I believe it was around the summertime. It was in the summertime, June, July. Uh, How many of you remember when the soccer team in Thailand got trapped in the cave with their soccer coach? How many of you remember that? Remember that time? The whole world watched that. I mean, that, we were all intrigued by that. I know I, every time I would get home or pulled up my phone or whatever, I checked the next news because I was, I was praying for those. I don't know. Were you guys doing that? I was praying for those boys because, man, I cannot imagine. And so I wanted to talk about that story for just a minute because what happened in there is really important. And it's kind of how I'm going to land the plane tonight with a point that makes out of it. So a lot of people don't realize how difficult and crazy and excruciating and and terrifying the rescue was to get those 12 boys and their coach, the 13 people, out of that cave system. So just to give you some background for those of us that maybe, you know, it's been three years, so I had to refresh my brain on this too. So I have a diagram here. So what they did is they climbed into the cave. They have the cave entrance. You see the cave entrance there. And the cave kind of goes up and then it splits. It has like a T intersection underneath. All of this, understand, is underground. It goes into a T intersection and then it splits. The boys, the soccer team and their coach, they turned left at the split and they worked their way all the way down that direction in the cave. Now, the problem was they didn't realize, but the water, there was a little bit of water already in the cave, but they didn't realize that the water was rising very rapidly in the cave. And so they're going through this. Now, understand, like, if you're upset that they climbed in the cave, remember that they live there. They've explored this cave. They know what they're doing. They're in there all the time. And so they went in there, the the coach and these 12 boys, and they got all the way back into that cave system, but then the water rose all the way to the top of the cave. In other words, literally, there's no way out unless you swim underwater, but some of these sections, by the way, that showed one, there was actually four, and some of those sections were underwater all the way to the top. This is actually where they staged the rescue from. See those pipes coming out? They're trying to pump water out, Okay. Um, is a huge, huge cave. And just and by the way, do you, I don't know if you remember this, do you know how deep they were underground? Two and a half miles. Some of you don't like to walk two and a half miles. <laughs> Let alone crawl through a cave with water in it. right? By the way, these 12 boys in the coach, you know what they had with them? They had one flashlight, a rope and a tiny, tiny little bit of food because it was one of the birthdays of one of the soccer kids. That's all they had. They were just going in for a few hours and coming back out. But they couldn't get back out. They're two and a half miles in. And, and now, now the water keeps coming up, coming up, coming up, and now people know that they're trapped in there. And so now we've got to send expert scuba divers into the cave underneath the rocks, through the rocks, to try to find out where they are. We, they knew they were in the cave, but they didn't know where they were. In fact, I have a picture of one of the divers. Look at this. This is crazy. Now, you can see the rocks that he's going through, but I want you to look past him. Look what he's about to go into. Just pure dark. Just black. And it's all underwater. If something goes wrong, there's no getting out. It's rock all around you. And this was several places. Some of them anywhere from quarter to a half mile wide. Or long, I mean. It's crazy. Now, I want to take this one step further. This might be too much, but I decided to go this way anyway. I found a video that just kind of, it's an animation video. It was made by Star TV, uh, which is a media company in the country of Malaysia. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I go weird ways. Okay, what can I say? But it's an animation video that describes how they find all the divers finally were able to work the boys and the coach out of this two and a half miles uh, out of the cave, okay? It's kind of, the narration's kind of funny, but you'll get what it's trying to say. It's explaining how they got the boys out. Take a look, listen to the video.
1: Following successful rescue of the soccer team that was trapped inside a Thailand cave, details of how the 12 boys were extracted have been released. The New York Times reports the boys were first given anti-anxiety medication that prevented panic attacks while ensuring they remained conscious and breathing. The boys were then equipped with full face masks and secured to flexible plastic stretchers. In fully flooded areas, rescue teams held onto guide ropes while they moved the stretchers forward, surfacing roughly every 40 minutes to check the boys' vitals. To navigate downhill slopes, the stretchers were slid over thick hoses that were being used to pump water out of the cave. Teams carried the stretchers while navigating steeper downhill areas. While crossing wet and uneven areas of the cave system, stretchers were supported by overhead ropes to keep the boys stable. In some flooded areas, the stretchers were placed on rafts that were pushed forward by rescue team members who found their way with the aid of guide ropes.
0: Crazy. Can you imagine? Seriously. By the way, two divers died trying to get them out. Lost their lives doing this. Here's the point. Those twelve boys in the soccer coach, they were not found until nine days after they had been trapped in the cave. Nine days in complete. And I mean absolute lack of any light anywhere. Complete darkness. And it required a whole bunch of different divers risking their lives to literally bring hope and life and light to a group of 13 people who otherwise had no chance. You know where I'm going, don't you? Jesus did the exact same thing for every one of us. Jesus took it upon himself to sacrifice his life to bring light into the darkness. We all are born into darkness, all into sin. And Jesus is the one that brings light to our life and he offers us Freedom from the darkness. What, what is the, one of the greatest things about light? You know what the, one of the greatest things about light is? When, if there's light in any dark room, if we turned out every light in this place and I simply had one little flashlight or a candle right here, would all of you be able to see it from anywhere in the room? Yes, you would. You know why? Because darkness cannot coexist with light. Amen? Darkness cannot coexist with light. This is a big deal, which means if you have the light of Jesus, you can be free of the darkness. If you don't have Jesus, then the darkness can overtake you. So my question to you tonight is very simple. The whole point of Christmas is light. God loves you more than you can ever even understand. And the reason we know that and how he expresses that is by offering you light and cell phone rings. God offers you salvation. But here's the deal, everybody. You have to choose to accept it. If the boys did not want to be rescued, if they wanted to live and die in the cave, they probably could have. If they refused to be rescued, they probably could have. The question I have for you tonight is very simple. Will you run to the light? Or are you going to run from it? My hope, my prayer, and God's hope is that he would run to him, to the open arms of Jesus, the light of the world. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. To be free from darkness, to be free of sin. Because Jesus offers it. But before I do that, I want to just tell you kind of what we're going to do to end the service here tonight. So after I pray, we're going to sing Uh, a couple more songs. We're going to sing a a song called The Light of the World. Relevant, right, for tonight. And while we sing that song, I just want to encourage you, just just sit back, enjoy the song, and hear the lyrics, and be reminded that Jesus is the light of the world for you. That he died on a cross for you, that he rose from the grave for you, and that's the whole point of Christmas, is to bring light into your life. But then we're going to rapidly move from that into the song, Silent Night. That's why some of you are here. We're going to light candles. We're going to sing Silent Night. And we're going to light all of the candles off of this one candle right in front of me. This is called the Christ candle, the light of the world, signified right here. And it signifies the fact that the light of Jesus starts with him and is passed to every person who is willing to share it. That's why we do it this way. And so all of this is going to happen seamlessly when you see them light the candles, then we do this. Now, just a couple of reminders quickly about the candles. We want to be safe. There's a lot of us in here. Okay, number one, if you have kids and they have a candle, that is sweet. That is awesome. Just make sure you watch them. (laughs) No, seriously, watch them. (laughs) Second thing, uh, when you have the candle lit, don't tip. Lit, don't tip. Right? Got it? Uh, so when you're receiving the flame, then you tip your candle. But once it's lit, you keep it straight up and down. Okay? Sometimes we kind of try to do this and we're like, oh no, burn, burn everybody with wax. And then this, the third thing is just keep it really far, as far as you can, from everybody's hair and clothing. There's a lot of hairspray up in this place. It'd be really, really a detriment and almost a waste of our time if I didn't ask you one more time. What are you going to do tonight with the light of Jesus? Will you run to it or are you going to run away from it? My hope and my prayer is that tonight you will accept Jesus. And by the way, Tanya mentioned the Connect cards. If you do accept Christ tonight, Make sure you check that off and let us know or if you recommit your life let us know we're not going to embarrass you we're just gonna we'll just reach out and rejoice with you and ask if you have any questions that's it but will you accept the light of christ tonight let's pray Lord Jesus, we have a lot of people that have gathered here tonight to celebrate you and your birth, to celebrate the light of the world. You gave yourself, you sacrificed yourself for us, just like the divers did to go after and save 13 people who they did not know in a cave in complete and utter darkness. You entered our world of utter darkness and came to give us light and hope and joy and peace and your unfailing and perfect love. And so anybody that is here tonight, I'm sure in a room of this size with this many people, God, there are many who have never chosen, they've never made that decision to follow you. And so tonight I want to just give them an opportunity. May they just pray this prayer to you out loud or quietly, however they feel like they need to do it. I pray that they would just say these words to you. Lord Jesus, I admit I need you. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the grave for me. Today, I commit my life to you, Jesus. My Lord and my Savior. Today, I accept the light of the world. If there's anybody else in here, God, who maybe they, they accepted you a long time ago or recently, but man, it seems like the last couple of years, pandemic and politics and everything else has really just thrown a wrench into their life and darkness has entered, if they've just allowed darkness to kind of fulfill and just kind of press them down, I pray that you would help them remember that you are the light of the world and if they would just turn back to you, you are there. Your arms are open. You're ready. And all they need is to accept the light and that light will dispel. It will disperse. It will destroy. It will push out the darkness in their life. Because you are good, you are holy, you are perfect. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming as a baby, for dying on the cross, and for resurrecting from the grave, all to bring us light. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in your name. Amen.